We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi And now, Mike Hickson going to be looking in just a moment at Numbers chapter 10, the passage that was read just a moment ago, Numbers chapter 10, verses 29 through 32. The song that we sang a moment ago reminds us of the children of Israel who are bound for the promised land, and we too, as God's people, are bound for spiritual Canaan. That is, we're bound for the promised land. I grew up in Chattanooga, lived for many years there, graduating from high school. I lived in Nashville, graduating from college there. This has been my home, this area, for quite some time. We have lived in the Mid-South area for 25 years longer than any place I've ever lived. We've been here so long that this seems home. I used to think about going home. Matter of fact, when I graduated from college, I had in the back of my mind that I would go back home. And I really intended to one day end up in Chattanooga. But that's not my home now. Really and truly, this seems home. But I understand that while this is home, as a Christian, there's another home that I'm trying to get to. It's called heaven. And what we try to encourage people to do, those who are in the world, is come with us. The Bible talks about how we are Strangers, sojourners, pilgrims. Peter uses those terms in his book. And we understand that, as we sang a moment ago, we are truly bound for the promised land. One day we want to be in heaven, don't we? And not only do we want to be in heaven, but we want to take as many people with us as possible. In Numbers chapter 2, we have an account of Moses encouraging one of his family members to come and join them as they made that pilgrimage to the promised land. And so today we want to talk for just a moment or two about the theme, Come Go With Us. I want to begin by saying that first of all, when you look at this text, there was an invitation to be a part of a pilgrimage. They were on their way to Canaan, to the promised land. A couple of things you need to understand as you look at this lesson text. First of all, this was a special people. And secondly, they were headed to a special place. Listen to what The record says in verse 29, Now Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, 
We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well. For the Lord has promised good things to Israel. First, you need to understand that we're talking about a special people here. God had redeemed the children of Israel from bondage. Back in Exodus chapter 19, God said to Moses, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God had with a mighty hand brought them out from under the oppression of Pharaoh and Egyptian bondage. He had redeemed them. And so, when we talk about these people, God had sworn with an oath to their fathers that He would bring them into this special land. And so God had redeemed them, and then not only were they redeemed by God, but they were highly regarded by God. The people we're talking about, God's chosen people. His chosen nation of people. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 7, God said that He didn't choose them because they were more in number than other people on the face of the earth. He said, for you are the least of all people. But he said, the Lord your God chose you because he loved you. And because of this oath that he had sworn to their fathers. They were immensely loved by God. Jeremiah would say in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God loved these people. They were a special people to him. In Exodus chapter 19, God would say to the children of Israel, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, he said, You will be a special treasure unto me above all people. He said, You will be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So these were special people. When Moses invites his family to join him, He's inviting them to join a special group of people. And then they were going to a special place. Listen again to what the record says. Moses said, come with us and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to us. Back in the first part of the verse, he said, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. When the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, in chapter 3 of the book of Exodus, God said that He would bring them into a land that would flow with milk and honey. It would be a land of plenty. It would be a place of abundance. God had specifically chosen this place for them. I think about as a member of the church today, we're a part of a special family, a special people. We are among the community of the saved. And we are, we are journeying to a special place, aren't we? Our goal is one day to get to heaven. I think about these people, they were 
They were on the road to a special place, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And we're on the road to a place that is described by Peter as incorruptible, undefiled. It fades not away, and he said, it's reserved in heaven for you. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. There is a second thing I want you to see, and that is there was an invitation to be a part of a special people. First, we talk about their pilgrimage, but now the invitation was to be a part of a special people. The people we're talking about were a family. They were a special family. Why were they a special family? I think there are a couple of reasons. One is because of the head of this family. That would be God. You see, it was the Lord that had promised good things to Israel. Those of us who are children of God today, we have as our Father God, don't we? You remember the words of John in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1? He said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God or the sons of God. We are a part of a very special family. We belong to God. There is a sense of belonging within this family. And so the invitation offered by Moses to Hobab, come be a part of our family. Join us. We encourage people today to become a part of the family of God. And there are a lot of folks in our world today, there are a lot of people in this community that feel disconnected to their family members, some disconnected from friends, and yet in Christ there is a connection, isn't there? You see, they were a part of a special family. They had a special head, and they had a very special hope. I mentioned a moment ago the hope before them, the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. We have before us the hope of eternal life, don't we? Paul said that we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began, Titus 1 at verse 2. So there was an invitation to be a part of a people, a special family, and then I want you to see a special fellowship. One of the blessings that Hobab would enjoy would be the time that they would spend together. It's great to have a good family. It's a blessing. And I think about how we biologically have been blessed to have family members and the closeness and the kinship that we enjoy. We have children, grandchildren that are truly bone of our bones, flesh of our flesh. We love them with all of our heart. We talk about unconditional love. But within the body of Christ, we have the opportunity to spend time together. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us that the early church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayers. I think not only did they spend time together in worship, but outside of worship. In that same context, Luke says, all who believed were together. And then he talks about how they were all with one accord. We get to spend time together. And one of the great blessings of being a part of the family of God is 
We are a part of a very special fellowship. We are, as Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, people of like precious faith. So not only would there be time together, but Moses said, we'll treat you well. Listen again to what is said. Moses said, we're setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I'll give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well. On behalf of the church here at Olive Branch, if you're not a member of the body of Christ here, you're looking for a church home, I want to assure you one thing. If you come and be a part of us, we'll treat you right. We will treat you well. Let me just share with you, I mentioned this before, but I want to just maybe say it from a different angle. Last year when I was sick, for about two months, I was unable to preach. And there is no way human words could ever convey to you how much I appreciated your love, your encouragement, your cards, your prayers, your thoughts, your patience. Every single member here was so good to me. The elders, so gracious to me. Brother Dio would say on occasion, take your time, get well. And I have told people and I have told folks that will listen, this church is a great church. And I have bragged to other people about how well this church has treated me. And when I think about what I went through, and no doubt there are others that have gone through far worse things than what I've experienced. But I'm here to tell you firsthand, this church... This church treats people right. I know. And I can promise you, if we are family, and we are, then we're always going to try to treat one another right. We're always going to try to treat you well. Not to say that we're infallible, not to say that we won't make mistakes. But if we do make a mistake, we'll try to make it right. So I appreciate this congregation. And I can tell you, just like Moses said to his father-in-law, look, you come with us, we're going to treat you well. You come with us, you be a part of this body, I promise you, we'll treat you right. We will treat you well. It's a great church. What makes it great is the fact that it's made up of people like you. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study. First, there was an invitation to be a part of their pilgrimage, to be a part of their people, and then to be a part of their promises. Listen again to what Moses said. We're setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I'll give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. And he said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my kinsmen. So Moses said, please do not leave. 
Inasmuch as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness, and you can be our eyes. And it shall be, if you go with us, indeed it shall be, that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. Based on the account in Judges chapter 1, it would seem to suggest that Hobab joined them. There was a promise of home. They were journeying to a specific destination. When you think about home, what comes to your mind? When you think about going home, all of us have a place of abode, a home. They were on their way to the promised land, to Canaan. We're on our way to heaven, to Canaan's land. We sing about Canaan's land. We're headed in that direction. We're headed home, aren't we? When I think about going home, I think about, first of all, it will be a time of rejoicing. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7, John said, Let us be glad and rejoice and give glory to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. He said, The bride has made herself ready. Can you just imagine what it will be like in heaven? When you read Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, the beauty of that land, unsurpassed. There's some places in our world today that are absolutely beautiful. They are breathtaking. There are places that you could travel to that nobody could put into human words. But when you see it, boy, you just, you just stand back in awe. I think about what the psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament, shows his handiwork. What a beautiful world we live in. Yet when we step out into eternity and we are in that beautiful place called heaven, I don't think we can wrap our mind around how beautiful a place it will be and how, how thankful, how happy we'll be. It will be a place of rejoicing. It will also be a place of resting, won't it? You remember the words of John in chapter 14, verse 13 of Revelation, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. You think about the hustle and the bustle and all the things that go on in life and how sometimes life is so chaotic and yet to get to heaven, to be in a place where we can rest, and enjoy, enjoy the blessings that have been afforded us in that heavenly land. It'll also be a place of reuniting. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul talks about the second coming of Christ. He said, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And the Bible says, And so shall we ever be with the Lord. 
Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There's some people that I know. There's some folks that I've known, that I've loved, I've spent time with. And they're already over on the other side. And I plan to see them one day. I've got some people that have been over there for a long time. I want to be with them. You may be here today and you've got a grandchild that you want to see in heaven one day. You may be here today and you've got a son or a daughter that's already gone on. And you can't wait until that day when you can see them again. It might be the case that you've got a brother or sister that's over there. Now we talk about things that mean something to us, things of value, things of worth. Let me tell you what, you can't put a price tag on something like that. Maybe you have a brother, a sister, grandchild, son or a daughter, a mate. I think about people that have lived together 50, 60, 70 years, and then they're separated. Spoke to a gentleman yesterday, just lost his wife. Talked about how hard it is. Let me tell you what, as a child of God, we'll be together again. That's what, that's what Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So when we talk about making this trek and living so that one day we can go to heaven, we're doing so with the assurance that one day we're going to be together again. So you may have some people over there, and they are, as we would say, valuable cargo to you. And you aim to see them again, and I do too. I can't think. I can't imagine how beautiful that land will be. And to see faces that I haven't seen in years. Great place. So, there was a promise of home. What about a promise of help? When you look at the children of Israel... They're going to make their way to the promised land. And they had their problems, didn't they? Not all of them made it. But when I read this text and think about what Moses is saying to Hobab, a couple of things emerge. First of all, what we need to understand is that as we make this trek from earth to heaven, number one, we're going to have some support, aren't we? will have support from God in heaven. When God told them he was going to bring them into a land of milk and honey, he didn't bring them out of Egyptian bondage and put them in the wilderness and just say, okay, guys, you're on your own. That's not how God does things. So we talk about living here on planet Earth, being his people, his children, his family, and God's saying, look, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be there to support you along the way. Go back and look at Joshua. When Joshua assumed the role of leader among the children of Israel after Moses had died, God promised him, he said, look, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. The Hebrew writer said, speaking on behalf of God, I will never leave you. 
God hasn't left us out here in the world to just try to make it on our own. What God is saying is, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, the Lord is at hand. He's beside us. He's pilot, piloting the way. So first, he'll support us, and then secondly, he'll strengthen us. Did they need strength to get to the promised land? Yes, they did. Do we need strength and stamina to get home? Yes, we do. The Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, running with patience, running with endurance, the race that is set before us. Are there going to be obstacles? Yes. Are there going to be difficult times? Absolutely. Are we going to face trials and tribulations? Are there going to be times when we feel like throwing up our hands and just saying, you know what, I've had enough? Maybe. What the Bible is saying is, you hang on, you hang in there. Don't give up. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. In verse 19, he said, but my God shall supply all your needs. God has thoroughly equipped us to get home, hasn't he? One of the things he's done, he's given us his book called the Bible. This is a modern day GPS. And if you follow this book, you can make it safely home, can't you? If you don't follow this map, if you don't follow this road map, you're not going to get there. You're not going to get to the right destination. And so what we want to do is make sure we follow this book until the very end. The psalmist said in the long ago, your words are lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. The world in which we live is engulfed in spiritual darkness. And there are all these things that are distracting and Sometimes things that take our eyes off of what is most important. And yet this book is guiding the way. It is, as we say, lighting the way. Just follow it. This book is light. The world around you is darkness. And so as you plot your course here on planet Earth, stay with this book. If you stay with this book, it will bless you. If you choose to ignore it, it'll curse you. So, let me close by asking this. Will you come and go with us? If you're not a child of God, we want you to come and join hands with us. We want you to be with us. Because we're headed to heaven and we want to take as many people with us as we can. Maybe, you are not a part, maybe you're not a part of God's family. You can become a child of God today. Somebody says, well, how do I do that? First of all, you've got to hear the gospel. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Put your faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins, John 8, verse 24. Then you have to repent, change your life. Peter said on Pentecost Day, Repent. And then you have to be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away. When your sins are washed away, you contact the blood of Christ. Paul said he was instructed to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins. When you obey the gospel, God will then put you in his body, the church. The church 
the family of God. Those are the only ones God's promised to save. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. The Bible says, Christ is the Savior of the body. Now the body's going to heaven. And those who are in the body and who are faithful are on the road to heaven. Those who aren't faithful need to right the ship. John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I ask you today, are you on your way to Canaan's land, to the promised land, to heaven? you got some people that are on the other side waiting on you. If your answer is yes, then God bless you. Stay the course. If the answer is no, no better time than right now. Make it right. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life When the clouds unfold their wings of strife When the strong tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.